0: Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to remind you all that season two of my HBO show, Game Theory, debuts tonight, Friday, January 20th at 11 p.m. Eastern. It is also streaming on HBO and HBO Max. Come hear my ideas, supported by a full writer's room and a studio audience. It's dope. Can you tell I wrote this myself? It's dope.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time.
0: My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us. Review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Spencer Hall, what's going on? I am not Dominique Foxworth. in so many ways like i imagine that people read the descriptions before they actually start listing but i do wonder who the person is that's like <laughs> <The> like f- <laughs> when i um uh, when i was working in north carolina on radio there's a dude well, i guess me with mark packer uh mark packer was i don't know if he still goes by the pac-man but he was pac-man and he had a show called primetime with pac-man that he syndicated all across north carolina and it like it it did big work in some of the smaller towns, right? Like, it was very popular there. But Pac-Man would take time off the station I worked at syndicated it, and they'd put somebody else on for whatever reason. And one, one week, I think they were playing a replay of the two live stews oh when boy. the people were, exp- where the hell is the Pac-Man? <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is the opposite of that. That This is that's not just the opposite of that. That is that is way down the row. That's not yes. just categorically the opposite. That is opposite on so many different levels. So for those of you expecting a uh, handsome, super compelling Harvard MBA who could run a 4-3 at one point, I'm none of those. <laughs> absolutely none of them, but we're going to make it work anyway.
0: Man, let me tell you something about that 4-3 at one point. And I'm sure we'll get to talk football, mid-FL. We'll get a little college in here. And we're going to talk about Game Theory. Season 2 premieres January 20th, 11 p.m., immediately following Real Time with Bill Maher. I don't know why I said that so fast. The bosses say it's okay for me to plug it. But, you know, you still get a little bit nervous doing that kind of stuff on company time. But I was in a basketball gym for the first time, and God knows how long, um, a couple of weeks ago. Now, I am 6'4 in the media guide you know what I mean? Okay. Probably right, right there around the six threes in real life, but I could dunk a basketball before I hit six feet tall, right? It right. is not as much a function of athleticism as it is spindliness in big hands, but I could do it, okay? Man, I was in this gym, and I was just standing under a goal, and I looked at the rim, and have they made the rims higher than they <laughs> used to be? Because I looked at that, and it was like, I would kill myself trying to dunk a basketball. Like, I'm so glad that I don't have that thing in me where I got to try to prove it because there wouldn't be no game theory season two. There wouldn't be no right time. Um, There would be nothing. And in fact, my yeah, no, I don't even know what my health insurance situation is right now. That could have been all. But like, can you imagine if you messed around as a grown man and injured yourself only to find out that your insurance had lapsed? So
2: m- about that. Um, So I'm irresponsible. And I had this moment. You had a moment where you looked up and you went, that is no longer just a hop, skip, and a jump. There's Mm -hmm. a moment when you have that as an adult, okay? Sometimes it's after capital T, capital I, the incident, which is usually (laughs) the one story of epic drunken injury, where somebody realizes that they are much closer to 50 than they are to 20. Uh, For me, that moment was, I went up on the roof to fix some stuff at a house, and um This is how you know I'm from Tennessee. I was just like, I'll just go up on the roof. Fine. (laughs) Just the thing normal people do. I'll go up on the roof. So I went up on the roof and I got the thing down. I was trying to get down. I think it was like a ball or a Frisbee or something. And I thought, well, how am I going to get down? Having not thought this through, I was like, well, you know, I'll just scoot down. I'll just make it work, right? Just hang off the edge and drop. And I got to the edge. Oh, it was much further than I had remembered, (laughs) anticipated, or were willing to really consider doing at that point. OK, and I made a safe landing, but I could feel that my body was like we are several millimeters in either direction from making a very unsafe landing. And at the time I was like, at least I'm insured. Nope, it had lapsed. It had totally lapsed. I just jumped off the roof of a house with no insurance whatsoever. So I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey,
0: man, uh, I know that people know you primarily for your college football stuff. And this really actually comes in very handy now in talking to the NFL because I've been talking about Brock Purdy for a couple of episodes here. But honestly, only people who really watch college football had ever heard of that man before mm-hmm. he got here. Three-time all-conference player for what it's worth. Two-time all-Big 12 player oh, yeah. uh, for what it's worth. And he seems like he is not simply along for the ride, but he also ain't driving the bus. You know what I mean? Like, he's giving directions. He's pointing things out. He's yeah. helping make things happen. Dude, I do not want to be Dak Prescott if he is the losing on the losing side of the Brock Purdy game.
2: No, no. I think he has a built-in excuse, which is if that happens, people will just say, oh, it's the 49ers are due, and Shanahan's a genius, right? This would be much worse if Brock Purdy were lighting people up and his head coach was, I don't know, Brandon Staley. It would be much worse <laughs> if his head coach was somebody who was not regarded as a genius. I feel like genius can kind of, genius can kind of bridge um, the the gap between what I don't know about a player, which you know, most people don't know about Purdy. I, you know, I will go ahead and, like, like I, I think he deserves his due because at Iowa State, you have to understand, uh, that is a reckless young man. That is somebody who would make <laughs> two or three of the greatest throws you have ever seen. Stunner. He, he had two or three of those in a game. And then he had three or four throws a game where he was like, I don't have any help. I have to put it all on black at this roulette table and I have to let it ride. He had a, an ability to push the envelope because I felt like he didn't have a whole lot of help at Iowa State. That's no slack. Uh, on Iowa State, you're just what you are, right? Like they, they were a good football team for Iowa State, but at times Brock Purdy had to press. The nice thing is that he doesn't have to do that. On the 49ers, he has Kyle Shanahan, who can give you this beautiful, genius paint by numbers thing where he's like, go here, go here, get rid of it. There, we have a Debo, we have a CMC, we, we have a Christian McCaffrey, okay? We have, we have Mr. Fake Out the entire Panthers. Linebacker core in practice. I don't know if you've ever seen that legendary yes. story about him burning everyone in a pra- in a uh, preseason practice. You have those guys, go ahead. You have tools that you didn't have at Iowa State. And Foxworthy really on Debatable made a really good point where he said that, you know, he hasn't seen Purdy have to go off script. At, at, at one point, you're going to reach this sort of like, you know, everybody, all things being equal, everybody's good. Somebody's going to have to make a difference. Dak can definitely do that. We've seen him do that. We've also seen Dak uh, try to do that when he didn't have to and make mistakes. That That's one thing you can do when you're real talented. That's why Trevor Lawrence threw four picks. When you're really, really good, sometimes you're performing at the edge of your potential. And the edge of your potential, when it tips a little bit too far, that that's a pick. Purdy hasn't had to do that. I think people are garoppolo him, and I don't think that's fair. Can we make that a verb? Like, we've garoppoloed yeah. him a little bit, and that we're like, oh, he's just the kind of creatus, of this, this puppet that Shanahan's that putting out there. I don't know if that's true. Well, my thing is, if you watch them play, you have the option of using your own
0: eyes. Yeah. And people get real results-oriented about quarterbacks when they want to. Like, it's mm-hmm. almost like we have an obligation that the team is winning, and they have a quarterback, that we have to give that quarterback some measure of the credit. And all you had to do was watch Jimmy Garoppolo, and it was clear what was going on. Um, when they did that whole second half of that playoff game and he did not throw a pass and the argument was being made well that's because they didn't have to let me explain something to you about offensive coordinators son mm-hmm. they throw the ball for fun they do not throw the ball out of a sense of obligation they don't throw the ball to keep people honest. they throw the ball because that's what gets their rocks off right there are a few guys that like to cook up the run game like greg roman has this incredibly sophisticated run game of note, an offensive line coach right like He's doing what his guys like to do. They like to get out there and go find ways to get big guys on small guys and destroy them and make their noses bleed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the that's the game they play. Ain't nobody running no no passes the whole second half because they don't have to pass. He didn't start running out the clock at the beginning of the third quarter. He knew his quarterback stunk. He was very aware that his quarterback stunk. He don't seem to be
2: acting like this quarterback stinks. No, and he has my favorite thing, which is right now he's a, he's a a blessed kind of clueless. The blessed kind of clueless where you go, I didn't expect to be here. I didn't expect to go this far. I didn't expect to be starting. I didn't <laughs> expect to be in the playoffs. So you know what he's experiencing? Everything's new. It's all new. There's no expectations whatsoever. If he bombs out, cool. Cool. Good. All right. I got farther than I thought I was going to get. And I got to show my stuff. If I win another game, cool. Let's see what happens. Like I, I really think we also we, we under. I think we overestimate the the thought process that goes into players in general. You know, they're going to work. Guess what? If we win again, I get to show up to work next week. If not, cool. I'm going to Cabo. That's that's pretty much the combination of factors there. And one reason these guys are so good at their job is that they remember the patterns, but they forget the experience. I remembered what happened on the play before. That's why I'm in the pros. So I'll recognize the pattern if I see it again. But that emotional experience, either I've learned to process that through a process of expensive sports psychology sessions, or I'm the kind of Brett Favre type who has no long-term memory, none, (laughs) (laughs) short-term. If it happened three minutes ago, I've completely forgotten
1: about it. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Peloton All-Access membership and NBA League Pass, subscription required.
0: Every quarterback that's left in the playoffs, just about, like I may, as we go through it, I think Trevor Lawrence is the only one that may not fit this. But just about every quarterback in the playoffs has a how the dot, dot, dot question that you could ask based upon what we thought about them when they were in college, right? Mm-hmm. So Daniel Jones, for example, I guess it only took five years or whatever, but like, here we are like, this is, this is looking like a thing, but how the hell did people not realize he was fast in college too? Like I looked it up. He had a year at Duke where he ran for 500 yards, which is not like running the wishbone, but it kind of is right. Yeah. And NFL defensive coordinator still, have not come to realize, Hey, you know, the white dude can run, right?
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Can we, can we wind it back here? The white dude from Duke. I'm just gonna yes. lay another. I'm just gonna put a little mayo on top of that mayo from Charlotte know, Latin High School. Correct. A walk on, as I recall. Correct. Right. And by the way, it should take five years. It should take five <laughs> years to be good at quarterback. I'm gonna go ahead and own up to this. It's not like we throw a surgeon out there, right? Which is pretty much like the the the, the apex that where where like physical dexterity and mental acuity and study meet, right? <laughs> surgeon. We don't let somebody, we don't tell somebody who's a bust as a surgeon after year two. We don't let them open up people's brains after year two. Like, I don't think, I don't think you get to year two, actually. Yeah. You don't get to year two, right? This is one of the most difficult jobs in sports. It should take like four or five years for you to get out there, right? So when people are like, oh, finally, Danny Dimes is out there. Uh, one, it's funny you call him Danny Dimes because he's made his living with his legs. And two, oh, look, you match talent with a good, like, management w- w- with Dayball, right? Yeah. Who, if you look at that by the way, Dable's resume's got cool. Like in it like Josh Allen, who if you watch the Bills last year and you watch them this year, they are missing something that Dable had in terms of managing that offense. And Jalen Hurts at Alabama. Like these are these are two dudes who who both of them benefited from his ability to say I will work with what you do. But hold on though.
0: That that is where it gets interesting because as I get back to the Halda the how the hell did Jalen Hurts turn into this NFL quarterback when I saw him hold back two college teams? But it lead, led me to the next one, which was Brian Daybol. Alabama fans did not have a positive impression of him after his time with Jalen Hurts. And it's like, I've seen you do this with Josh Allen, the most amazing fixer upper case in the history of the NFL. I'm watching you do this with Daniel Jones against college kids. Couldn't get it done with Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts couldn't get it done with you, and now you guys are meeting in the NFL playoffs.
2: How? Yeah, yeah. A uh, dude, by the way, like we should say, by the way, an Alabama fan's unhappiness with something is not a national emergency nor an indicator of anything serious. If they lose one game, they're deeply unhappy yeah. with the performance of their quarterback. This, to me, is a generational change because I watched Alabama growing up with quarterbacks like I, I don't know, uh, Jay Barker. They yep. were, where, where they were like, "That's a quarterback." What was his line? <laughs> Three for seventeen, forty-four <laughs> yards rushing, no touchdowns, one interception. When all you and all you did was win the national championship, <laughs> all you did was win the net. That's a winner right there. All of a sudden, all all of a sudden, they became aristocrats, <laughs> steeds They got they got taste and expectations for their quarterbacks. Now that will never stop being funny. Blake Sims changed him up, but that was gonna be. Brian Mm -hmm. Dable had to bitch Jalen Hurts at halftime of the national
0: championship game. Mm -hmm. That, that happened. And now they're both here and look, somebody got, somebody had to play the Vikings. So like, like, I just don't know how much, how much credit I'm supposed to give the Giants. And if the Vikings had won, I would have said somebody had to play the Giants. I understand why some of you may find that to be unfair, but I don't really apologize for the fact that that's how it turned out. But now Jalen Hurts is out there with a bum shoulder. It could turn it into the Giants in the NFC Championship game, and buddy, Daniel Jones, you don't have. You can put that gun away. You can put that mask away. You were gonna have to steal your money from the Giants, and now they're going to gladly back the truck up for you.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, and then when and then this is the best part is you get to do that uh, when Saquon Barkley manages to turn a four yard run into a forty five yard run. Yes. My favorite position as a quarterback, right? I think I deserve the contract because Saquon got a touchdown. That is, oh, the the most beautiful thing about quarterback economics. I would love to be an agent doing that. So we don't, we
0: they don't make enough Saquon Barkley's anymore. Like actually entertaining running backs, like there oh, are yeah. very good ones, and like Christian McCaffrey somehow, because they taught him to be these one cut guys. He should be way more fun. Than he is. Like I was watching one of those 90 second cut ups of Barry Sanders. And yes, I know Barry Sanders is the extreme case in this situation. But man, it's just so much fun. It's inefficient. Somebody could make the argument to do all these things. But Barry Sanders was so much fun. We ain't got no fun running back. Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara got the got the nose ring through the through the cartilage and it hanged down and he played with it with a quality control charm around his chain, but it's still not fun. And it's not because he's not incredible.
2: No. And it's a position, too, where we've been coached to be efficient and balanced. And you don't get enough. Like, like there's one running back who I think qualifies as a certain type of fun. Um, I will admit it is um, a certain taste acquired with the Derrick Henry battering people? <clears throat> you have to be kind of a sadist to watch, enjoy <laughs> watching Derrick Henry. Because um, the first couple carries, they're not going to be much. But if you're the kind of person who likes a slow-starting movie... If you like one where you go, ah, it's a potboiler, you get to that third (laughs) act, things start cooking. That, to me, is the best part about Derrick Henry, particularly when he shows you that he is a brilliantly fast running back, right? Like, there are still plays, right? Not as many as there used to be, but there are still plays where Derrick Henry turns on the Jets and you go, something that big shouldn't move that fast, right? That's Derrick Henry. Now, there is some fun there, but on the whole, running backs don't get enough carries in order to do that. You know, Barry... Barry was not like a 40, 30 carries guy. But in 22 carries, he would at least have the time and space to make up for the negative one, negative two yard runs by pulling off some dazzling 30 yarder. And you don't get that a whole lot. Like I was trying to think of anyone else. You know, is, is Travis Etienne like at times that? Um, Yeah, but it's not close. Saquon is, Saquon is as close as we get to that. It's mostly quarterbacks now. The, the only guy who compares in terms of I don't know where he's going to show up or what he's going to do is Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. who's just at this point like a Swiss Army knife for Shanahan. Just an unfair advantage he can put anywhere all over the field. I, I absolutely adore that dude for two reasons. One, he's really fun to watch. And two, um, he was completely misused in college. And yes. he hit the pros and they were like, oh, y'all messed up. Don't you You want to tell him who college head coach was? <clears throat> I think that was Will Muschamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah, it yeah. was Will Mustrap? Yeah. Will Muschamp. Okay, okay. I'm just mentioning that like like I mean, I'm sure he had other things to do. But yes. He... <laughs> but Derrick Henry leads me to another one of
0: our interesting how the questions because I think Derrick Henry Derrick Henry ran for and I looked this up, a gajillion yards in high school in sure. the state of Florida. It was not a five star recruit because the thought was I mean he couldn't think, yeah, he did that in high school. He can't do it like goes to Alabama. And then he does do it like that at Alabama. And we see that and he gets the NFL and he's something like a third round pick because he can't do it like that in the NFL, can he? And then he went and he did it like that in the NFL. Uh, and we were talking about this with uh, Marcus Spears the other day. Patrick Mahomes, I think, is in a very similar place. A man who threw for like 750 yards once in a game in college. And the only explanation I have for how it is that he wound up slipping to 10 is just a bunch of people at every level being like, well, he can't do it like that in the next place. And now he's the best quarterback ever.
2: Yeah, sometimes you have to understand that PlayStation uh, Madden players are right. You can just keep hitting the A button. That's what. That's all Lane Kiffin did with Derrick Henry. It's beautiful. That, that's Lane. his offensive approach, by the way. Is uh-huh. pressing the A button. <laughs> he is like like I think that the a gamer would put it this way that that he was uh, that he he would just spam Derrick Henry. That's it. Spam Derrick Henry. Just keep giving the ball to ULE Florida's finest and in Alabama and this is like my favorite thing when he finally got the sole starting job and Lane Kiffin was like ah I have a rock I'm gonna keep hitting you with it he had 2200 yards yeah and then at the end of the year was getting like 40 yeah 40 carries like it was 1978 Yeah. yeah and he just kept hitting it and we were like, no, 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 he, he couldn't possibly do that again. Au contraire. That is one of one. That is one of one. And if you look at him, the wildest thing to me is that he is that big and that strong. If you look at his legs, they're from a different model. They are yeah. from they are from a sprinter's model. They are not from uh, the kind of like heavy duty Christian Okoye size back that you think he should be. And I think that's like that that might be some weird secret to his longevity, is that his legs are very efficient. But he has the skinniest legs on the biggest dude's body I've ever seen. Now, like Lane Kiffin at various points in his career has tried to get too
0: cute, right? Mm-hmm. However, fundamentally, Lane Kiffin operates like this. I forget who told me this. Maybe may have been Felder told me this many years ago, that the Lane Kiffin approach, especially when he was like at USC in Alabama, who's going to win the Heisman this year? Oh, you're going to win the Heisman this year? Okay, we're going to go get you the Heisman. So one year, that was Amari Cooper, and they just threw the ball to Amari Cooper over and over again. At USC, it was Marquise Lee that one year, and they just threw the ball to him over and over again. But Lane saw a running back and was like, oh, well, yes, we'll just give him 40
2: totes. It, it, what, it, why not? It worked. It worked. You should do the thing that worked. This was my my point about Ohio State all season long. You should just throw the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. as many times as humanly possible. Why is it he catching the ball 15 times a game? Well, he well, if
0: get- he can't, well, if he can't, throw it to the guy that had 300 yards receiving in the Rose Bowl last year, whose hyphenated name I cannot remember. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yes, because yeah, you had, was, because Ohio State got so many receivers that you're the other guy, buddy.
2: Yeah, be the other guy. That's it. You just play A-B all season long. and That's what they should have done. They couldn't do that with with and uh, jig, but he was in and out of the season, but um, but it, do, do the thing that works. I know that there are coaches who are obsessed with balance. That's cool. That's cool. I get that philosophically. It makes things very difficult for defense if they have to consider all five options. If I got two options that are going to break you in half, guess what you're getting? Two options. That's what I'm <laughs> going to give you. Like like Patrick Mahomes, you know, Kingsbury in college just, just kept calling his number and let him go, 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 both because, yes, he hated calling run plays. That's just not something that Cliff Kingsbury is very fond of. Um, and it seems to be one of the reasons he's in Thailand right now. Um, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Um, but, but on the same time, if your guy can throw for 700 yards, let him do it. You'll probably win. You you may almost beat Joe Mixon and Baker Mayfield, which is what Patrick Mahomes in a game where he had over 800 yards. He was their leading rusher, too. Oh, I didn't realize it was 800. Oh, no, no. Total. Total. Because I think he picked up like 70 on the ground and had something like (laughs) 730. So, I mean, he finished with over 800 yards of offense in that game against Oklahoma. So, if you can do that, go ahead and do that. Football doesn't have to be that hard. I add to the next how
0: the case is the super interesting game in the afc cincinnati and buffalo and i don't want to trivialize things but you know the last time these two teams met something happened like this is this is going to be a kind of surreal football game to watch but and i know we've talked about this now for years but i don't think we ever really got to an answer which is how did nobody ever try to coach josh allen before he got to the nfl like i don't take back anything i said about him before i really really don't I just can't understand how like, he got that far with nobody being like, hey, let me help you out with that right there.
2: So I, I think it is the result of something that might, in his case, in his case, only be a myth, which is that you can't teach accuracy, that accuracy really can't be improved that much. Either you got it or you don't. Clearly, he's proved that that's wrong, at least in one case. But by and large, I think it has a lot to do with the college level, in his his case, if you're going to take somebody developmentally, you say, okay, I need to develop them in a year or two. I don't have a whole lot of time to cook because I got about three years to prove whatever I'm going to prove at this program before I'm fired. That's really right before they sort of say, is it working or isn't? And I think that's kind of affected quarterback development a little bit. You get guys like Ryan Day's system. You'll hear people say that, yeah, that's not a pro system. And I think the reason what they're trying to say is this, it is very plug and play. It is very quarterback friendly, but it is also a very much a go here, go here, right? Don't really worry about what's happening. Mark Rick used to get really good production out of his quarterbacks by saying, okay, well, think of it. We're just going to throw to open grass. That's it. We're just going to throw to open grass. It's not really a, all right, I need you to understand this is cover three and the you know safety's got to buzz to the flat. And if he buzzes to the flat, you go here. The only guy who really had that kind of development, and I think you can see it as quarterbacks, that I can cite as somebody who I know had the four-year plan for his quarterbacks and expected to get all four of those years, is Chris Peterson. And you'll notice Chris Peterson retired because (laughs) it's very hard to keep somebody for all four years and institute the year one, you learn this, year two, you learn that, year three, you're here, year four, you're you're a mind genius who can do anything you want on the field. Like The last quarterback I can kind of remember doing that Over a four year span, that's uh Kellen Moore, like Kellen Moore, who was calling his own plays. By the way, by the time they got out there in year four, if you watch that game against Georgia that Boise State played, Kellen Moore's just looking at the defense and going, Oh, that guy's dead, let's go get him. Well, apparently, Joe Burrow got there, right? right, Because
0: I, yeah, I talked about this in the last podcast. how did Joe Burrow not beat out Dwayne Haskins and then you go back and look at teenage Dwayne Haskins and you're like, "Oh yeah, nobody was beating that guy no. out." <laughs> <No>. <laughs> totally.
2: Well, and there's a this is a this is a point about how how curious and weird quarterback development can be, you know? If you had to compare it to anything, you'd probably compare it to your dude who peaked in middle school. I don't know if you remember the baddest dude in your middle school, okay? Baddest dude in your middle school was not the baddest dude in high school. Was not the baddest dude in your high school. Not the baddest dude in college. This goes for anybody who was a student. You can be like, "Hey, man, I remember my valedictorian. Um, my valedictorian, you know, dropped out of college sophomore year. Like that's people peak at different times." And I, with Haskins, you can see, um, R.I.P. May May he rest in peace. With Haskins, you can see that his success in college, I think, sort of may have dented his development because he never really got his footwork right. You know, he he had weird footwork. And it worked in college. Oh, my God, it worked in college. You know, he was, he was fantastic. But he didn't work on that kind of technique stuff. It, with Burrow, I would really love to go and study exactly what made that work because he wasn't that accurate either. And then once he got a fantastic slate of receivers and he got a year in that offense, gas, straight gas. He got more accurate. He got better at anticipating where people were. And he understood defenses so much better. Yo, Ego,
0: I keep saying, a big thing. reason this Brock Purdy thing is working is he has enough self-confidence that not everybody can throw these butt-naked open dudes, but he has no question about whether he can throw to a dude that's butt-naked open, right? Not everybody actually believes that. Joe Burrow's comment, I love that. How long is the championship window open in Cincinnati? And I'm like, you knew what the answer was going to be when you asked that. And the answer for Joe Burrow was, as
2: long as I'm here. Yeah, And he didn't sound like a jerk. No, not not one bit. And still has, like, like, Joe is just... <sighs> Joe just absolutely not only took a a a, to me by the way like he took leaps at every single level in this span of a year of a calendar year, which is wild to me. Daniel Jones is an incredible athlete, and it's taken him about this long to get up to being like a you know a playoff starting QB and to really understand what he's good at. Burrow did it a year in college, and then he did it again in a year in the pros. And honestly. Even in year one, when he was taking his lumps, you saw, you know, bursts of that. You saw like spurts of, oh, that's what he's going to be. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Some some dudes' learning curves are just shorter, and some guys, I think, maybe need that knock around that time. Like to me, the Alabama quarterback experience, where you have these guys who, you know, you get one to two years, um, and then you sub in the next guy. It's a testament to, one, having a system, but also, yeah, maybe putting in you know a little more developmental work than, than quarterbacks are currently getting. Yeah, my favorite thing with Cincinnati, I've
0: talked about this before, they ain't trying to get too complex with this uh, evaluation when it comes to draft picks. They got oh. a quarterback from LSU, they got a wide receiver from LSU, they got two running backs from Oklahoma. They, got, they went and took Oklahoma's two deep at running back in the same draft. Uh, they got a wide receiver from Clemson. Their left tackle went to Alabama. That small scouting department, all they got is bunny ears. They are getting the players that you can watch on over-the-air television.
2: He didn't exactly wear his legacy well, especially in his later years. But the Al Davis strategy of drafting dudes with a capital D, yeah, you could do worse. <laughs> <laughs> you could do much worse than, like, like you saw Jamar Chase, you're like, that's a rocked up dude. You should probably mm-hmm. get him. <laughs> they just went and got it. Like they, and to be fair, the Bengals did that when they weren't all that either. Like, yeah. I love Vontez perfect Vontez perfect was just a big bad dude. I guarantee you in the room, there were probably higher ranked people. Then somebody of the Bengals is like, I don't know, he's a dude. You should go no, get no. him. You know how bad it must have been
0: with Vontez perfect where even the Bengals didn't draft. Yeah. Even, <laughs> even they waited for the seventh round to pass to get this very, 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 very good football player. Like, it wasn't like you watched Perfect and were like, oh, I don't know if that guy's got it. No, 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 no. He absolutely 100% had it in college and everybody said no. Everybody said no, but the Bengals still were like, oh, no, we know what to do. We know what to do with a guy like that. Why don't you go ahead and come on over here? And I'll just never forget that game where he knocked Antonio Brown out. Pac-Man Jones went apeship. And -hmm. Jerry Hill had a fumble. And it was three of those Cincinnati Reclamation cases. Right? And they Mm -hmm. all fell apart at the same time. Yep, (laughs) Perfect. Absolutely beautiful. (laughs) The whole model got blown. Now, I'm I'm, going to keep this how the thing up, which by the way, I really only came up with while we were sitting here. And I only got one more game to throw out um, on that one. And it's Dak Prescott. And I haven't talked about this this much in person, but you, as someone familiar with the SEC and familiar with Dan Mullen, Dak Prescott was the two time first team all SEC quarterback. How do we not see this coming? Like, even if you don't think that Dak Prescott is a great quarterback, it is clear that he is a quarterback who should have been taken in the first round, right? He has all the stuff. How did it not go that way?
2: I think there was a little bit of a tinge of system quarterback attached to him because, so because frankly, you know when you look at profile, um, and I'm going to throw out a a name that people uh, will not recognize for the most part, but that Mississippi State fans will nod at. You come and go. Hey, man, you're following in the footsteps of Chris Relf. You're following in the footsteps of uh, of Tim Tebow. To be honest, when you talk about quarterbacks who were super productive in a kind of spread option run, syst- run first system that happened to sometimes show uh, showcase your arm and to use passing concepts, which, you know, really weren't sort of NFL grade, NFL caliber passing concepts, but that worked really well in college. So I think he had some of the weight of his predecessors in that slot uh, burdening him. I do. And I think also, you know, hey, coming from Mississippi State, it wasn't like, you know, Dak was, very good very very good in college and was recognizably good like he got got awards got you know recognition but at the same time i think that once you're a three-star prospect and you do really well at a program like mississippi state people go ah it's probably a three-star prospect you know even though he's got you know size for days he's huge what he's 6'2 230 right 240 now um I think that's probably what weighed people down. They probably thought, ah, you know, that's just another guy who like will look for the give on the run first and then throws a decent play action pass and hits his screens. That's really, I think, what they thought. Or option two. He did get his ass kicked at Panama Beach that one time. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. He had a nice new swimsuit. He Y'all was have a very good all, time.
0: On video. God, his. Ass kick, like it, it, it's a it's a all bad. I don't, it's probably not his fault. All of these things, and you're just not gonna tell me that there's nobody in the front office who didn't say, Yo, man, you see this video of him getting his ass kicked uh, in Panama Beach. There was this dude, his name was Kendrick Ellis, and I forget where he went to school. I think he went to Hampton at the end, he started somewhere in D1, and he had the character knock, right? It was this big giant defensive tackle, mm-hmm. and he had the character knock. He had caught some sort of charge. Of, where he broke some dude's jaw, and his story was he broke the dude's jaw because the dude approached him with a baseball bat. And I don't know if Kendrick Ellis's story is true, but if his story was true that someone showed up with a baseball bat and left with a broken jaw, I need to know how Kendrick Ellis was not the number one overall pick in the draft. <laughs>
2: um, he was—he's a system brawler. Yeah, <laughs> just, that's I'm just that's saying. It. Like that's a—that's a profile mm-hmm. right there, brother. Yeah, when you bring a bat, you lose. <laughs> Now, how do you explain that to the homie? You know what? I, I? But I can explain that. L- like, he who has not taken an ass beating somewhere on the Gulf Coast, <laughs> all right, cast the first stone. I won't, okay? That's where trouble starts. It's where it lives. And if you haven't taken an L of some form while uh, enjoying the fruits of the Fort Walton, Pensacola area, <laughs> then I can't identify with you, frankly. There's a little part of me that's just never going to recognize you because... You got to go through that. I, I, to me, to me, if you get your ass kicked on camera, that's, you just got to own it. You you know, (laughs) you just got to be like, that's really too bad. And I'm sorry that y'all can laugh at me. And Jerry wrote me a big check. Would you like to see a video of that too? Because I have video of that. Yeah. Like I've never, I've never taken a defining ass whooping. It
0: is always funny talking to somebody who has just taken a defining ass whooping. My good buddy from graduate school, D none d Nunn took his to ass whooping when he was eight years old. And he said he got his ass kicked by some dude named Travis, who they call Fat Travis. And I think oh, he was no. like eight or nine years old or something like that. And keep in mind, me and d Nunn don't wear the same clothes, all right? But he was mm-hmm. talking about Fat Travis. And he said something happened. He was bullying Fat Travis. He said he did something to Fat Travis and it turned around like it was nothing to Fat Travis and had enough. He said Fat Travis put that beat on him. He was like, oh, it got to the point where all I could do was right here, <laughs> cuz. I had to curl up in the ball, cuz. I had to curl up in the ball. And that was a... And, and we were talking something later, and he was just talking about, like, something that was going on in his life at the time. You know, just things, like, real stuff. And he was like, yeah, it's this. It was that. Fat Travis incident. <laughs> he referred
2: to it as the Fat Travis incident, because that was a defining ass-whooping right there. Okay, what are you doing messing with somebody called Fat Travis? Do you know how much anger you're you're just gonna uncork? If that man's moniker is Pat Travis, I here, here's mine. So I was fifth grade. Um, I was going through a lot of things, like being a huge nerd wasn't real easy. Um, and you know, being like a huge fat nerd, which was worse. Um, and uh this dude named Steve's picking on me. You know what I was gonna do? I was gonna assert myself. That's right, I was gonna throw a punch. You know the last time I threw a punch was it was probably third grade. It'd been a while. It was a little rusty. Also, your third-grade hands, they're not fifth-grade hands. There's a <laughs> significant jump from third-grade hands to fifth-grade hands, okay? Uh, if I was a video game character, I needed to grind a little bit more before I engaged in this. But you know what? The fight came to me, Uh, so I was like, I'm going to punch first. Because, you know, I, I'd seen enough Crunch Course on NFL films. I don't know if you remember NFL films. Uh, they used to put out, uh they'd send you a video if you subscribed to S.I., Crunch course. They're like, hey man, you gotta punch first. So I was like, I've watched enough of that. I know you gotta punch first. So I did. And uh I hit him clean, right across the face. What I was expecting was like, boom on a wire, Hong Kong kung fu, right into the wall. That'd be awesome. Uh, that did not happen. He just stood there and I was like, I have bitten off more than I can chew. And then I took three to the face. Three to the face, hard, clean. Like I think these were like quality, good, grown man punches. And we were separated. I didn't go down because I'm too stupid to. I really should have, right? But I didn't. And I remember thinking, I was like, I I, I, I lucked out. And after the fight, he's like, I won. And you got to look at him and you're like, yeah, you did. Like clean. Like, absolutely. <laughs> no, see, the thing was, I was, you know, I'm a
0: grade skipper on top of everything. So I was oh, small. Yeah. I was small for my age, let alone my grade. And when I say I'm a grade skipper, people need to understand this. My birthday is on August 26th. The rollover date in Texas for grades is September 1st. So I'm the s- youngest person in my supposed to be grade. And then, you jump. and then you throw me in the other one. All of that is to say the only people that would try to bully me were first class. punks, Right. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't messing with nobody and all of that. But what that meant was when I had my hope moments, I came out the victor in every single one of them <laughs> because they really had never considered the possibility that I was going to swing on. They really, really had, and I, I would, I would, I, I would come out on top. Like I have to say, winning a fight, there's not a lot of feelings that surpass.
2: No, no. And here's what you need to understand: um, If you're a young nerd and you're listening to this, and you got a, any point, uh, first of all, I have to advise you ethically to say, best thing you can do is run. Just run. <laughs> Go ahead, do it. No shame in survival. Okay. Uh, look at every great wrestler; they run. Okay, all of them. Ric Flair runs right? Be a coward if you can't. But if you can't, and you're a nerd, you're gonna need help. So I need you to just grab anything around you, okay? Got a book? Hit him with it, okay? Use your environment, all right? You got something? Hit hit him. Just basically, if you can pull it off the wall, do it, okay? Turn it into a WWE match, because even if you don't win, someone's gonna be like, that man threw a painting at me. (laughs) He's terrifying, and they're never gonna do it again. Yeah, did I ever
0: tell you maybe my favorite swing first story that I've heard from the world of football. Mm -mm. so i got a good buddy um he is an economics professor now but in a previous life he was a scholarship football player at Ole miss Mm. and he was a defensive end and he was going up against terrence metcalf and for those of you who are unfamiliar with terrence metcalf terrence metcalf was a longtime nfl left tackle and he had a son who is the size of a left tackle who plays wide receiver named dk in case you're wondering why DK uh-huh. Metcalf is that big, that, his dad's a left hack Yeah. That Metcalf. And he says something happened. And my guy is good in country. He from he from the Delta, Mississippi Delta. And okay. he said that he got into it with Terrence Metcalf. And he was like, I ain't gonna lie. He got me. And I decided right then and there. I was never getting hit first again. <laughs> He's like, that was that was the rule. Like, you can't afford to let a football player hit you first, <laughs> even if you're a football player. You got to get that first move advantage on that one, dog.
2: <laughs> You've at least got to stun him so you can run under something. That's yes. really notice. I didn't say run away. Uh huh. It's faster. <laughs> you got to run under something or seek the authorities. Find yes. something bigger to hide behind. So I'm going to get to one last
0: thing since I got you here and we got like collegiate things that one collegiate thing to talk about that I haven't had an opportunity to talk about it. How could I not talk about this with you? And somehow you and I have not talked about this yet. Mm-hmm. But the chain of circumstances involved in Jimbo Fisher turning his offense over to Bobby Petrino. Mm-hmm. How? How? And how? I say this how? simply because you tell and people think I was tripping on this, but I think you will 100% agree with me. There's no way in the world that If Texas A&M won a national championship with Bobby Petrito running that office, there's no way that Jimbo Fisher would even smile.
2: There's no no happiness there. Mm -mm. All news is local. All of it. I don't care. And all politics is local. So when that happens, if that happens somehow, which I I don't think it will, I don't think it's very likely. I think just too much friction, too much dysfunction there. I can't see it happening. But if it does, he's not going to be happy. You don't want to. You don't want to hire a former head coach, put him in the OC slot, and do that and feel good about it. Because guess what happens next year? Remember me, Jimbo. You're OC. I'm still here, guys. It's fine. No one. Y'all couldn't. Y'all couldn't move the ball last year. You weren't that great moving the ball here before. You, you know, everyone, including people who used to play for you and fans of your team, say that what you do doesn't really work quite as well as it used to. So, yeah, he's going to be miserable. It's going to be an absolutely miserable situation that only one thing can justify, which is necessity. Necessity. That's the reason that all of you ended up in this boat, right? Like, look at that coaching staff. You have to say, even if you do not believe in toxic masculinity, I can sell you toxic masculinity. Do you want to know what it is? It is Jimbo Fisher, Bobby Petrino, Steve Adazio, and DJ Durkin in the same lifeboat. That's it. Adazio's over there, too? Madazio's there too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay.
0: So so we've got two guys who lost their jobs for being abusive to their
2: players on this stack. Madazio was at least not well liked. Like there was at least like discontent and he was not well liked. Also, somewhat humorously, you can watch him get kicked out and injected from the field in his last game at Colorado State, where just in theory, he just keeps walking, right? Just like <laughs> he's already super fired. He- kicked out
0: of the game he got but he got caught up in that summer of george floyd with the boys like i don't like the way they've been talking to us
2: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah he was he was one of those guys where there was an investigation and i do not i want to be clear on this i do not remember the exact institutional verdict there i do know that they were bad enough in football that it didn't really matter (laughs) (laughs) that the product itself spoiled any potential revelations there that they were just like i just leave just get just just go yeah, like like if you didn't believe in it before as a concept, I could show you the four of them in the same rowboat and go. Texas A and M football man, that's one of the wildest stats, right? And yeah. I don't say wild in a good way. I'm just saying, behold, yeah, didn't that DJ, happened. Then DJ dirt. then he had, he got a dead body on his right. No, uh, that is true. They had a player die in a uh, in a conditioning exercise at Maryland, and then in the aftermath was revealed that uh, their response was uh, lacking, to say the least in terms of response to the incident and the overall environment at Maryland was, I will say, not too distinct from the environment at other schools, but in detail, things like them watching videos of, like, Predators Eat, you know, like, his motivation, (laughs) like, on top of the actual horror of a player dying and everything, they had this, like, super hardo culture, right? Which, (laughs) can I, I'm, I'm gonna take a tangent. Do you remember Pete Carroll at USC? Yes. Pardon my language. How the did that ever happen because yep. practices were open, right? Yep. His practices were open. They competed hard, but nobody seemed like they were going too insane other than anyone trying to keep pace with Pete Carroll because none of his assistants could, right? Without the assistance of a whole lot of coffee and, and prescription ADHD medication, probably. Right. Because you can't keep those hours because that man really only does sleep three hours a night. Okay. Greatest college football profile ever is J.R. Orange's profile, Pete Carroll. How on earth does that culture exist now? It just doesn't. It just doesn't in terms of like a program. Like what program was simultaneously that productive, competitive, and yet open? Because I guarantee you, man, you try to get in that A&M facility, you're going to have to pull some like serious Jason Bourne shit to get in there. First of all, I figure USC—they try to keep you out of there just
0: because they don't feel good about the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, well, like they—they they, they try to—they try to keep the lo- the locals out. For people who don't know this, they used to call it the University of South Central. It's over there. Um, yeah. But the other thing with Pete Carroll, he's got to be the only Sigma Alpha Epsilon man to ever take 60 Minutes cameras through Watts, mm-hmm. where he could just walk around and be Pete
2: Carroll. And, and and hand out his phone number. Somebody would say, I have a problem, and he would say, I'm Pete Carroll. Here's my number. Let's solve it. Wow. Different, different
0: human. Right. That run was so much fun. Like none of these college Ooh. programs that are like r- on rolls right now are actually fun. But like that USC run was the last real fun one. Florida's was problematic. The USC one was, <laughs> was like legitimately fun, like Miami and Florida State. And the, this first four-year run, those were fun runs. Nebraska, that was a fun run through this whole thing. None of these machines, like Georgia's no fun.
2: Georgia, all right, how's it? It's no fun for us. Fair. I'm, I'm sure someone's having fun. Fair, fair. fair. Yeah, not, not me. Like later on, we <laughs> might find it. And by the way, that's the other thing too. Like people go, oh man. Here we go. We got Georgia with the machine. I I never assume machine. Never. You get two years. Cool. Cool. You think everybody else isn't, isn't locking screws down? You think everybody else isn't trying to catch up and do what you do? Oh, they can't do what we do. Uh, I'm sorry. You were Georgia four years ago. Now you're a different Georgia. You can go back to being that same Georgia because everybody want, else is trying to keep up. They won back-to-back national championships. That's Bennett as a quarterback. Oh, they they're going to win a few more. Yeah. Although oh. I no no, I'm a stats and Bennett respecter. I'm just gonna say this. Okay? Oh no, I'm a I'm a respecter too. But All it right. gets
0: back it gets back to kind of what I was talking about with Brock Purdy though. He had that level of confidence to throw to these wide open dudes, right? And not everybody could do that. But once his confidence was up, he could be exactly the guy you needed him to be out there playing with those cats. <laughs> what if I could throw to George Kittle? <laughs> oh my God! Right? <laughs> or, or, or you know, with those both of those mammoth tight ends, like the actual mammoth tight end. And then the white dude that's actually the receiving threat.
2: Who's got my back? Trent Williams. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's Trent exactly what it is. Trent Williams, right?
0: They've got a Hall of Famer, like a, a legit Hall of Famer at left tackle, potential Hall of Famers at running back, tight end, defensive end, linebacker. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy. And then Brock Purdy's <laughs> out here like, dude, I can do this.
2: Watch <laughs> me have this ball. <laughs> Yeah. Woo. Watch, me, watch, me hit, watch me hit my outlet. Yeah, like this is... <laughs> and, and if you've made it this far in the podcast, we're going to let you in on the greatest secret. We don't know who's going to be good. Nobody no. does. No. Nobody does. I thought Josh Allen was garbage. <laughs> I thought he was going to be terrible. I was completely wrong, and so was everyone else. I just want to remind you, though, he was terrible for two years. Like, people <laughs> need to understand we were right, and then suddenly we were And then we were wrong! <laughs> And I will tell you this, too. I thought every single time Stetson Bennett made a great throw, every time he made a great throw, I was like, he's better than I thought he was. And every time he missed the throw, I was like, I was right. He's trash.
0: He's garbage. Look, last year, I had it. And I was like, you can't go all the way through a season without Stetson Bennett causing you problems once. And then that game happened. But then you know what happened after that? They got to play two more.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, they got to play two more. And by the way, he made a couple of throws in those games that are unearthly. Made yeah. beautiful throws and reads in those games. And I'm not talking about the wide open ones. In Ohio State, he made a couple of throws down the stretch that were money throws on the dot. And yeah. and, 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 I'll, and and every single time, I was like, yeah, I guess he's better than I think he's going to yeah, be. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, and I'm prepared for this too. People are like, well, you think he can be successful as a pro? My answer is, why not? I've been wrong about everybody. Hey, I've been my, wrong about everybody. Why can't I be wrong about him? Yeah, my
0: I'd rather have Anthony Richardson take. Uh didn't really uh stick up as well <laughs> we, we,
2: would we, dude, no, we could be right. Like, no. Flip it the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flip yeah. it yeah. the other way. That,
0: that's Josh Allen right there. Like, if there is a call that... for Anthony Richardson, it is Josh Allen. Except I'm not betting on that ever happening again. But it would I would feel awfully vindicated
2: if it did. Again, everything comes down to a roulette table for me. Some Somebody hit on Josh Allen. Somebody put their money on double zero and it yo, hit. Josh Allen is so rare that nobody's even like, yo, we got to go find another one of those. They're like, nah, baby, yeah. don't make,
0: they don't make those because the other one of those is Anthony Richardson. Like, get ready. He either is going in the third round or he's going number five. But mm-hmm. somebody's going to be able to toss themselves into that one. And you know what he's going to say when he comes in there? I mean, look at Dak Prescott. He, I mean, like playing for Dan Mullen, man, that thing don't really give you a chance to like Properly show
2: what you can provide. Oh, Anthony Richardson was a four-star. Come on. Dak was only a three-star. That is true. Yeah, come on. Come on. There's potential here. There's a little light at the end of that tunnel, and we're not sure if it's the oncoming train or not. I'm just going to wrap this podcast by saying I received a tweet
0: from somebody that said, Tony, no. And then it was a tweet for Tony Dudley. And by the time you hear this, you probably would have said it, but you need to look it up. But, oh, man, it is. It is one of those. Oh, wow. Wow. Large.
2: So, so, I'm, hold on. I'm going to look it up right on the air with you. That's what we're going to do. I'm going um, I'm to going.
0: send it to you right now. I don't want to deprive the joy from other people when it comes to this, but I'm going to send this to you right now. And you're going to see this and you're going to understand why the response was Tony. No. <laughs> okay.
2: It. Oh, oh, oh. <clears throat> okay. Ready? So, do you want me to react specifically or generally? Want me to make a noise or supply information? Noise will do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, respecting your elders is overrated. I include myself in that statement. But yeah. That's all I'm (laughs) saying. That's all I'm saying. That is not Dominique Foxford.
0: It is Spencer Hall. Check him out at channel six. Check them out on the SEC network, though I guess not for a little while, but check them out there nonetheless.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll be we'll be doing some uh, F1 stuff on uh, ESPN online, though. I'll let you all know about that.
0: David, I appreciate you saving the day, man. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Remember, hit the voicemail line, 860-516-4119. Tell us about that time you saw somebody quit their job in the middle of their shift. Also, check out Game Theory Friday nights, 11 p.m. Eastern on HBO. And I want to just take a brief moment because I really do try not to talk too much about it here because some don't feel right about that. But we're leveling up, man. Um, Like we really did a lot of things. We put in a lot of work to take what we did last season and figure out, honestly, how to make it more like this podcast. Like every day we're trying to figure out how to make that show have the feel and the energy of this podcast. We took some big steps story getting there so if this is a podcast that you like and by the way from the numbers it is if it is the kind of podcast you like you gonna like this television show. so check us out streaming on hbo max also on hbo 11 o'clock eastern right after real time with bill Maher. uh adi khan and parker always handling things behind the scenes thank you gentlemen remember follow the right time rate us review us give us five stars you only give us four stars i'm inclined to believe you are a hater we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days take it easy